dedication and the formation of that. But Memorial Day is often considered a day of remembrance, a day to be thankful for the freedoms that we've enjoyed, to be thankful for the men and women who've given their youth, their energy, and sometimes even their lives to fight for our nation and to fight for our freedoms and to fight for our lives. And what a privilege that is. And while we remember the courage of those that has been displayed, you know, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, um, you know, uh, sometimes when you really get down to it, uh, for some, it was just a job. And it's a job that they enjoyed, and uh, maybe they were drafted. Maybe they didn't even want to do the job. Maybe they got drafted, and maybe they were just ordinary people that all of a sudden got caught up in the moment of seeing the crisis, of seeing the uh, what was happening, and they performed extraordinarily. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a book written about, you know, this uh, extraordinary uh, generation that went through World War II and that served and fought and had uh, their service to their country and put on boats and all of that. And this, uh, uh, you know, do I think they were any more extraordinary than any other nation generation. I, I think what they did was extraordinary and I think what they accomplished was extraordinary. But I, I'm here to tell you that this past week, this past week has uh, been uh, a week of extraordinary events in the life of the church. Amen. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And I talked about, you know, how we celebrate almost 2,000 years ago, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And, but one of the things, and I mentioned it briefly last Sunday, but one of the things that you might have to realize as you read, and maybe uh, I didn't express it strongly enough, but it all of a sudden brought a dose of courage to people that were ordinary folks. And they were not faced in a crisis. Their whole nation was in a crisis, if you will. Their whole nation had a crisis going on. They were occupied by the Roman government and they were uh, there in captivity, basically. The Roman government had set up rulers and so forth. And yet we see an extraordinary amount of courage that was exhibited by even Simon Peter. And I mentioned this last week, how that here he was just uh, two months before, afraid to acknowledge who Jesus was and afraid to acknowledge even after that he went uh, after the resurrection he went back to fishing he didn't know what to do he didn't know what to do with his life all of a sudden he was just gonna I'm gonna be a fisherman I know I, I live with the Lord I've walked with the Lord for three and a half years I went through the most traumatic crisis that there was the, the crucifixion and then the resurrection and even though some disciples didn't believe in the resurrection and had walked off to Emmaus, here it was now, 40 days later, in that midst of that time, I go back fishing, and yet 
he is told by the Lord as the Lord ascends, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now we understand that power, the power of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural impact that that power had in Acts the second chapter. We talked about it last week, how that a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And yet I want you to understand not a, it shook the place. They came out and they were acting crazy. People were mocking them and Peter stood in the midst of them and said we are not drunk like you think we are but this is that poured out by God prophesied by Joel and David and the rest of the prophets. Amen. This is the Holy Ghost you're seeing. This is the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus has promised. And you crucified him. And people were troubled. And they said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. For your remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was in the second chapter. And then. That was it. 3,000 souls were added to the church. And so let's just stop there. No. This week became all of a sudden a transformation after Pentecost. People had courage like they'd never had before. All of a sudden, this same guy, you read it in Acts the third chapter. He, Peter and John, are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. You know? And why? Why to the temple? Because they they are they they've received the Holy Ghost. They're praying, and so they see a guy. Remember the story? We've all preached about it. We've read about it. We've studied it. They see a guy that has for forty years been laying at the gate of the church for forty years. For forty years, he has been. He's forty years old, and, and whether. Years he's been sitting at the gate of the church, and nobody. Why? Just simply hoping that somebody, out of the kindness and goodness of their heart, will throw him a few coins and will give him a little bit. And that's the guy that is there, and he says, "Alms." Remember the story. Peter and John look at him, and they go, "Hey." And when he, they, they turned, he, he fastens his eyes on them. And they, he thinks, I'm going to get a few coins today. And the famous line, we've said it, we've read it, we quoted it. Silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Well, what do you have? I have a name I have the name of the spirit of the guy that got up out of the dead I have a name by which I can give you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk I have something that you need and I know as a Christian nation, it's almost hard to believe that, you know, we have such an important wealth 
That's more than silver and gold. Right. Because, you know, we've got this church and that church and there'll be a church here and a church there and a church down the street and another church and everybody. No, but I want to tell you something. At some point, church is supposed to become a radical supernatural experience that gives you access to the name and the presence of Almighty God whenever Simon Peter reached out his hand and took him by the hand. The Bible says he leaping up stood Yes. He felt that charge of the Holy Ghost and he stood and he walked and he entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. When you get a hold of this thing, it, it, it's supposed to impact you. I know, we've been accused of well, y'all are emotional. You're way out there. You're, you're off the hook. You're wild. You're radical. You don't understand. If you experience what I've experienced, you say, well, and, and, and I know I've seen folks. And uh, we had a lady that, that was wanting the Holy Ghost and she wanted it for so many years and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I told you about her grace. And, and, and finally, one day she got it. She was sitting on the front row. She had been praying. And she sat down and she just raised her hands and boom, the Holy Ghost hit her. And, and she, her first statement was, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> Because she saw all of us going nuts, you know? And so she thought, uh, if I do it, and so she was afraid to let go and let God just flow through her. And I'm here to tell you, God's not going to overwhelm you to the point where you don't want it. But when you finally get to the place where you say, I want the Lord, I want the Holy Ghost, I will am willing to be a vessel, I'm willing to submit my will, the Holy Ghost will sweep through you and you'll speak forth in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And you say, well, that's that, he basically... When, when this happened, people started kind of getting curious and cra crazy and asking, and what's going on? Isn't this the guy? This looks like the guy. That is the guy. Did you see what happened? That was the guy. And a group of people gathered. And here's Simon Peter feeling the courage of the Holy Ghost. Feeling the courage of having received the name in the waters of baptism. Feeling the courage to say, ye men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly at us as though by our own power or our own holiness, this man was made to walk. It's not what I did, you know, and I, I'm thankful. I, I know we, we, we have an acts program and we will do things and we can try to help folks and we can do, we, will, we have all, and we're trying to get together a grief thing and, and a group. Go, but I want you to hear me say, it's not all what we can do. Right. That will make the change in your life.
I'm not saying we're not going to do anything, but what I'm telling you is you can tap into a spirit and a name and a presence that can begin the process of healing and moving and touching and delivering. Oh, it's great to have a support system, but I'm here to tell you there is a power that can break every addiction, that can break every trauma, that can heal every past, that can get rid of all the pain and the hurt that'll be a comfort. That's the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in his name hath made this man whole who you see and know. The faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then Peter gives them the plan of salvation basically. Repent. Be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. That the times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. This is in Acts the third chapter. A great sermon. We read his sermon on the second chapter. But he also had this great sermon in the third chapter. He said, you are the children of the prophets. And the covenant that God made with our father. Saying unto Abraham. And to thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first. God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. What is the greatest blessing that you can receive from the Lord? Turning away every one of you from his iniquities. I want to tell you, that's the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. That the Lord would wash you. That he would feel the forgiving mercy and love of Almighty God. Now he preaches this powerful sermon in Acts the third chapter. And it causes quite a stir. In fact, folks get mad. And we know the story. <laughs> We've read Acts. We love the Acts, of, the Acts of the Apostles. But the fourth chapter opens up <laughs> basically with the Sadducees and the chief rulers of the people. All of a sudden, first verse, they spake, as they spake unto the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And the reason that was important is the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. And now they're preaching about the resurrection. And so they grabbed Peter and John and put them basically in a hold sort of a jail cell in the church so you know we got a lot of things in this church a lot of great facilities we don't have a jail I mean it could be worse right Not many people would like to go to a church that had a jail. They could throw you in. I don't know how they used it. Maybe before this, they had still had a hold of some sort. I don't know what they'd put in there. Maybe people that didn't give. Did you give today? <laughs> I'm not real sure. I, I, I don't know how they used it, you know? Were you late to church today? 
Did you read the Bible this week? I don't know. I don't know what they used this hold for. They didn't build it for Christians. It was already there. So, you know, don't be too hard on me. I haven't thrown anybody in jail yet. But they put them in jail. And hoping that it would all die down. And many of them, all of a sudden, that heard this word that Peter preached, the men, it started spreading like wildfire. And about 5,000 men were converted. Now this was following the 3,000 that happened on the day of Pentecost. And so, supernaturally, this whole Christian experience was just exploding. You know, how could a poor carpenter's kid from Nazareth start this kind of religion? It was supernatural from God. You couldn't do this by human means alone. He didn't pick the 12 brightest and the 12 most efficient. And so... You continue reading in this fourth chapter. And the next day, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. And they mention all of these powerful names. And so many of the kindred of the high priest gathered together at Jerusalem. And they put these two guys right in the middle of them all. Uh, the midst of them. And I, I've been very blessed. I, I have not ever been in what we affectionately call a kangaroo court. You know, where it was loaded. Everybody was against you. The judge was against you. The prosecutors were against you. The jury was against you. For whatever reason. But Peter and John were in the midst of a group of folks that all didn't like him. In the middle of that. Now if there's ever a time. Let me just give you a, a, a hint to these young folks. If you're ever surrounded by a group that is absolutely against you. Try to use diplomacy. Try not to just stick your finger in their eye. I'm not saying you compromise the doctrine or what God's done for you, but at the same time, you don't have to go, you know, be attacking. Like, you know, if a police officer stops you, don't say, hey, you fat pig, you like donuts, don't you? <laughs> it's just not a good thing to do. He's got a gun, he's got a badge, a radio. Say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Here. I'll do better, sir. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you don't, you don't have to, you know, be impolite at all. You can be kind. So Peter and John are in the midst of this group. And they ask them, by what power or by what name you've done this? 
And that same Holy Ghost that moved on the day of Pentecost began to sweep in to where Peter was. This guy who had been afraid of a little girl by a fire and wouldn't admit that he knew Jesus all of a sudden was filled with the Holy Ghost. And notice what he starts preaching. You rulers of the people and elders. Very respectful. He didn't call them snakes. He just said rulers of the people and elders. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Then he kind of had a flesh moment. And he said whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand before you, here before you whole. And then he started quoting the Bible, because these were all people that knew the Bible. He said, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. Yes. Now, they tell you when you're having, you know, arguments, don't use you statements. Because you statements feel like attack statements. If I say, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're mean, you feel attacked. You're no good. You know, try to soften the blow. I think you lack a little bit in the mental department. <laughs> feels a little nicer than you're crazy. But they put a you statement. The stone which was set in naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Then he said, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He was quoting Psalms 118 verse 22. They knew the reference. They knew the Psalms. And if you go to Psalms 118 22, that, that Psalm actually is written, the stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. The stone which the builder, but he made it personal. He said, the stone which you builders have refused. And, and you know what? I don't know if while they were talking he was quoting this whole song to himself my guess is at some point he was feeling you know this whole psalm it, it started at verse 22 the stone which the builders but if you start the psalm at verse 1 it say read something like this oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endures forever let Israel say his mercy endures 
forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His mercy endures forever. The Lord is at my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. The Lord is my strength and my song and become my salvation. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The stone which the builders What are you saying? Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will extol thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. I don't know if while they were talking, he was quoting that song in his, ver in his head, saying, you know what? I shall live and not die if the Lord's on my side. I don't care what men may do. I don't know where he was getting his strength, but all I know is that he hit the 22nd verse, and he said, the stone which the builders rejected which you builders rejected has become the head of the corner and he said neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name given under heaven among men <sighs> whereby we must be saved what are you saying when you are faced with a kangaroo court and overwhelming opposition and you feel like you've been surrounded that's when you start personalizing some of the word of God and start praising the Lord. Lord, your mercy shall endure forever. I don't know. Well, the doctors have said this and this has happened and that. Oh, I don't have the courage, but I'm going to grab one of the songs and I'm going to say, the Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want you lead me beside chill waters. You take me through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear. What are you doing? I'm making the word a part of who I am because I have a name. Neither is there salvation. I know who he Jesus is. I know who the author of that book is. I know how to make that word personal to me. That's why Peter when he wrote his book later he would say to whom coming as a living stone disallowed you are lively stones a spiritual house a holy priesthood the stone which the builders disallowed he quotes that same verse has become the head of the corner And what does that mean for those of you who are builders? What does the cornerstone mean? Most of us haven't had to build with stones in that. But what is it that the cornerstone is? What does the cornerstone do for the building? Why is the head of the corner so important? The way those buildings were designed and structured, it's kind of the load-bearing wall. It's the beam. That, huh? What are you saying? All of a sudden, all of the weight, all of the pressure, all of the strength of that building is centered out of that. If the cornerstone is good, then the whole structure is sound. Where am I getting my strength? I'm sorry. One stone. I'm, 
I'm connected to the cornerstone. And if the cornerstone got up and experienced resurrection, I can have resurrection. Because strength is imparted from the cornerstone. So you go on down and it says, oh I know, that same Jesus, that same name can be a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense to those that stumble at the word or are disobedient. But whenever he finished, he said a stone, he said neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name and then when he they saw when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant they marveled these weren't great scholars but what is it had it happened to them they had been with Jesus now I'm going to I'm here to tell you Being with Jesus physically didn't transform them. This is the guy that took out his sword and cut off an ear in the garden. This is the guy that having been with Jesus for three and a half years was willing to challenge him at every turn. You're not going to Jerusalem. Huh? This is the guy who had walked and talked with Jesus, seen the miracles, and then said, I don't know who he is. Who had no courage around a fire. They said, they realized that they had been with Jesus. That probably should have been written. They realized now that they had Jesus. same spirit that had raised Jesus they had Jesus and it made all the difference you can be with Jesus and you can have Jesus and sometimes you know what I'm talking about and I know it's where I'm, I'm at a Pentecostal service but you know and, and I realize many of you know what it is and you've been at the strangest places and all of a sudden you feel something just bubbling up with inside like a well of living water huh? and you don't know where that strength is coming from and where that power and authority I mean, huh? and you realize wow and so they saw the man was standing there and so they were limited in what they could say Paul later wrote about this same stone when he said, You were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But in Christ, you who were sometimes made a, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. How do we take the blood and baptism? All of a sudden that brings us closer to God. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. And that through him we have access by one spirit unto the Father. All of a sudden not only am I beside Jesus. But I can get in Jesus. And Jesus can get in me. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That will give you courage in the midnight hour. And 
says, for through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Therefore we are no longer strangers and, and foreigners. And, and we are fellow citizens of the saints and the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And that's why many years ago a minister that had been the assistant pastor and pastored this church for a while, Stanley Chambers, wrote a, not uh, S.R. Hanby rather, Stanley Hanby wrote a tract called The Apostles. Why? It was out of this church. Because we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Who? Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone oh, in whom the whole building fitly together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord who are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit and, and so with, when they realized they couldn't say much here's what they charged them and I know my time I'm, I'm, I'm hurried but he said that it spread no further among the people let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no, to no man in this name. And so they had them together. And they admonished Peter and John. Don't teach or preach at all in the name of Jesus. And how did Peter and John ask, answer them? Whether it is right in the sight of God... To listen to you more than God, you tell me. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. Every one of you are supposed to be eyewitnesses to the power of the Holy Ghost. To the power of baptism in Jesus' name. You say, I don't, I can't, I don't know all of Revelation, but you can experience something today that you can say, I can tell you what the Holy Ghost has done for me. Amen. I don't know if it will help you, I don't know what it will do for you, but I can tell you what the Holy Ghost has done for me. And so he says, they said, they threatened them, they let them go. So how did Peter and John respond? Powerful sermon. It could have started right here, I guess, on how to, the courage to respond when you feel threatened or you feel attacked or you feel overwhelmed. Or you feel that all of a sudden every force is against you. The first thing you do is go to your own company. I'm not talking about your family. I know we can find family. But I'm talking about finding somebody that understands what it means to be baptized in Jesus' name, repentant of their sins, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because if it was an attack on me spiritually... I need a spiritual power to help. If it was an attack on me mentally or emotionally, I need a 
somebody that knows how to get in touch with the name. And they reported all that they just told, all that the chief priests and the elders had done. They just simply reported it all. And if you tell somebody what you're going through, and they are really in tune with the Lord, what should be their first response? Those mean, ornery, horrible, terrible, you don't have to take that. If I were you, I'd let them know. Huh? That's not how they responded. You know what their first response was when they came back and told them what these scribes and things had said to them? They said, Lord, let's pray about it. You know what? If you tell somebody what you're going through and one of their first responses somewhere down the line there within the first few minutes, is it? Let's pray. Be careful because you'll be gossiping about it and not turning them to the source. And so what happened was they said, we're going to pray. And how did they pray? Lord, you are God. You have made heaven and earth and the sea and all of those. By the mouth of thy servant David. Now they started quoting the Bible. Huh? You got somebody who wants to help you through something? They need to know how to quote some of the word to you. I know you say, I don't, want, I don't want you to quote the word. I just want you to tell me how I can get this solved. I, I don't want you to quote. Let me tell you, the word is what will help solve this. Yeah. Heaven and earth will pass away. The word won't. I'm not telling you that we, we, you know, we don't just say, hey, go in peace and not try to help you. And, but, but here's how they started. They said, Lord, you are God. What, and by the mouth of David, and I, you could read this whole psalm because it's a powerful psalm. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of truth, thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate go ahead sister Tracy with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatever they had tried to do and counseled beforehand now that's an important verse what it says basically is that Pontius Pilate and Herod were not best buddies and with the people of Israel and the religious people were not all best buddies but when it came to attacking the church they all became best buddies. You ever notice that? Yeah. How people that don't even like each other will team up against you? Yeah. And he says, but to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. In other words, all of their planning did not supersede what God wanted to have happen that was happening. Now what are you saying about that? Put it in 2020, 2021. I don't know whether or not 
The Chinese Wuhan lab let this go. Somebody ate a bat. I don't know what happened that got what, but I want you to know the Lord has no... I, I, I was listening to the radio this morning that said, guess what? There's now the th fourth variant, that the, uh, the India variant that uh, we've been praying for the folks in India now has migrated down into southern Asia where Vietnam and it's become more airborne and more virulent and they said that that now there's a fourth section of, of COVID it's COVID-19 plus four whatever that now it's even worse than it's ever been and they're finding it's spreading like wildfire I don't know but I'm going to here to tell you that the Lord is still in control the Lord still got this in the palm of his hand don't think for one moment that the Lord doesn't know what's going on you say, well, why? Why is he doing it? I, I don't know all the reasons why. And here's what they prayed. Lord, behold their threatenings and sick them. Get them, Lord. <laughs> right now, you have the power to have lightning bolts throw lightning down. Huh? You know how they prayed? Lord, start it right here. Oh, I can always find people that I can blame for everything in my life. Everything that's going on. Or I can turn it right here. Lord, grant thy servants that with all boldness we may speak the word give us courage in these weeks and months to come that we invite that we encourage that we tell somebody about the Holy Ghost that with signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Je this holy child Jesus oh I pray Lord that we see such an outpouring in the midst of the pandemic in the midst of all that's going on I pray pray there are more miracles supernatural miracles that are unexplained that the doctors don't have I pray Lord and as they begin to pray this you know what begin to happen the Holy Ghost begin to move into the room and the shaking begin to happen as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and they were all begin to be filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of the Lord with boldness. If there was ever a time on Miss Memorial Day that we're supposed to remember, yes, all of those that have, have had the courage before us, but God, don't let it stop there in the cemetery where we just see somebody that had courage but give us that kind of holy boldness in the weeks and months to come that we will say Lord shake us shake us shake me why I, I, am, I am tired of letting the enemy shake and this world's rock and real and be torn and I I was just this morning scrolling through the news and and I I, I was I read an article about the fighting in Ethiopia and how many million were being displaced and 
destroyed and the fights within one tribe versus I don't even I couldn't pronounce their names one group fighting another group and the fighting and all these different things and I, I begin to remember you know what we had a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Ethiopia many years ago Oh God, I started praying, shake Ethiopia with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. What are you saying? In in our nation, I know it feels like everything is topsy-turvy and everything. We've been praying, and Brother Vishnuatha is here. We've been praying for his family in India. Shake India. They're going through a COVID trial. Lord, shake that country with the Holy Ghost. Shake us, Lord. Shake us, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Send signs and wonders. If you don't know what to pray, you don't know what the answer is. I'm here to tell you.